Welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio, a podcast for and about the people of the Nashville restaurant scene. Now here's your host, the CEO of New Light Hospitality Solutions, Brandon Still. And good afternoon, Music City. This is Brandon Still. You're listening to Nashville Restaurant Radio. Today we're going to be talking with Mr. Kerry Bringle, the Peg Lake Porker himself. And we're going to talk about everything. We're going to talk about being locally operated and locally owned here in Nashville. We're also going to talk about future plans, what's coming up. And it's good to talk about the future. I think talking about what we're all going to do after we're allowed to leave our houses is a positive thing. I'm going to go back probably in two weeks and listen to this podcast. And uh, it's just going to sound crazy because everything is changing every minute. But we want to stay positive. We want to stay excited about our future. And I think that's what we accomplish here. So my interview with Carrie Bringle starts now. Carrie, thank you for taking time for Nashville Restaurant Radio on St. Patrick's Day. And more importantly, your birthday. Happy yeah. birthday. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So I, uh, I have a lot to talk about with you today. Okay. Uh, you're, you're one of the, the good guys in the business, in my opinion. And I want to start out with, we're going to talk about coronavirus. We're going to talk about all kinds of fun things that, not fun things, things that are happening right now. Right. But if you wouldn't mind, can you tell our listeners just kind of the 411 on who you are, where you come from, uh, how long you've been in this business, the story behind Peg Leg Porker, just get all the stuff out there that I don't want to have to ask you, you've asked a million times. No, no, absolutely. Yeah. So, well, I'm Kerry Bringle and I'm the owner of Peg Leg Porker. Uh, we, we have a restaurant here in Nashville, but we're also a lifestyle brand. Uh, we have a spirits company, we have clothing, food products, smokers, uh, intellectual property. Um, we're opening another restaurant. And uh, so uh, the name Peg Leg Porker comes from the fact that I've got one leg. So I lost my leg to uh, osteogenic sarcoma, bone cancer, when I was 17 years old, uh, the summer before my senior year. And uh, I decided to take that negative and make it into a positive with this brand. And uh, so uh, I started cooking barbecue probably 35 years ago. And um, we opened the restaurant about seven years ago. Before that, I already established the brand under a, with a competition barbecue team and by bottling our sauces and rubs. You know, my, my background is I was born and raised in Nashville, Tennessee. My family is all from West Tennessee, and so I spent a lot of time uh, in the barbecue joints of West Tennessee growing up with my grandparents and um, on both sides of my family. And then my uh, uh, grandparents were all big, big barbecue advocates and fans and uh, really instilled a very deep sense of commitment to the barbecue world and to barbecue as a uh, as a tradition, and uh, so uh, you know things have been good for us here at Peg Lake. We we're a hundred percent independent, family owned and operated restaurant, which is a rarity these days. Uh, there's there's a, a lot of a lot of uh, big groups now, and uh, your independents are just a lot more rare with the cost to open up restaurants in Nashville and the cost to maintain. Well, it's interesting because I hear you say that, and if you're one of my hobbies, I'll say it, it's a hobby, Yeah. but I've um, been in the restaurant business here in Nashville for 25 years, but I drive Uber, right? So right. kind of on Saturday mornings, Sunday mornings, I'll get up and I'll just go drive because I, sure. I wouldn't do it if I didn't get paid, but B, yeah. I get to learn a lot of different things about where people go, why people go places, and I get to sure. recommend a lot of places people to go. Yeah. 
And the number one thing I get asked from people is, well, I asked, where should I go eat brunch? And then I said, where's the best barbecue? Right. And while there's a ton of great barbecue in this town, um, I always say, you got to go to Peg Lake Porker because it is one of the independently owned and operated restaurants in town. And people go, oh, that place is a tourist trap. And I say, no, 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 I don't think, I don't think you, because they've been incredibly successful right. and because he does it the right way and because he's great at marketing, that doesn't make it a tourist trap. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, how, what, what is your response to people thinking that just that misconception? No, we're, we're not a tourist trap. I'm, I'm one of the, few, you know, we get a lot of tourists and, and that's just because we get a lot of exposure because we're good at, at media and sharing and, um, and social media and promoting ourselves. Uh, but we do barbecue the right way. We're native, you know, I'm a native Nashvilleian. I'm one of the few restaurant Unicorn. owners here in town that is a native Nashvilleian. And we are 100% independent. We don't have any, and, and people sometimes don't understand what, you know, locally owned means. There's plenty of locally owned restaurants. There's plenty of family owned restaurants. To be 100% independent is a whole different genre or it's a whole different uh, meaning you know we don't have any investors we don't have any backers uh, it's me and my family and that's it uh, as the owners and operators and so that's vastly different you don't have an investor to fall back on you don't have an investment group to fall back on um, we bought our building we're here to stay uh, for the long term and we are heavily invested in our neighborhood here and in our city uh, and in what we do. And so um, we don't like to be called a tourist trap just like anybody else doesn't. Just because tourists come here does not make us a tourist trap. We probably have 50% or greater of our business is local uh, to the area. It, it, it's native Nashvilleans that come at lunch or uh, come at dinner or come on the weekends and bring their families. And so um, I'm, I'm glad you pointed that out or made that distinction because it's, it is important. It's just a, it's just a different you know, there's a different set of rules. And, and, and we're seeing that right now with everything that's going on with COVID-19. Um, you know, when we talk about if we take a hit on this, I'm taking 100% of the hit. It's, it's not, you. It's me. And your it, family. You mentioned your yeah. family's part of this. Yes. How many people in your family are involved with this? So I've got my wife and I have three children. And all three of my children have worked here since they were... 13 or, or less and they don't I've got one working here now uh, They've all worked here throughout the years at some point They're not not everybody's working here now uh, But at some point every one of my family members has worked and pulled shifts And if we need them to come in then we we call the family and tell them to come in we need you to work So you know it shows in everything that you do that that's your mentality And it's one of the reasons why when I started this podcast and I started Nashville restaurant radio my idea was, let's have a podcast for people in Nashville who work in Nashville restaurants. And you're yeah. one of the first people that came into my mind as I go, if you're talking about Nashville locally owned and operated restaurants, Kerry Bringle's the gold standard. He's the guy who's doing it right. And I've been in sales in town for 15 plus years. And of all, just everything that you hear all over town, it's he's the guy doing it the right way. So I do want to get into talking about the tornado, which we here in Nashville have had a, a terrible run over the past couple of weeks. We had a tornado that went all over town. Um, I want to talk about what relief efforts are still needed. And I do want to talk about the coronavirus. Yep. 
However, uh, first I mentioned to you as being one of the good guys. Um, Nashville native, you've seen this scene change over the years. And while the landscape seems to be more competitive, um, the barbecue community seems to get closer. Tell me about that. Well, we've got a great barbecue community in town. Uh, so um, we've got just a lot of great barbecue now. Nashville really stepped up the barbecue game in the last uh, 10 years. And uh, you got you got great players in the, in the market. You got uh, Martins, Edleys, Jacks. Um, you know, you got Honey Fire. Um, Honey you Fire got, and Belgians. Mary's, you've got, uh, you know, there's just a lot. And then there's some good food trucks. There's Smoke It All. You know, there's uh, Zilla's uh, Pit Barbecue. Um, so you have, you got a lot of great things going on um, with a lot of great people in the barbecue world. I think Shotgun Willie's, who used to be a, a food truck, is now opening up a brick and mortar. Um, you know, so there's, there's a, and, and we all, we're all friends and we all know each other. Pat Martin and I were drinking together since before either one of us had a restaurant over at the end zone in Green Hills. And so, um, you know, it's a, we've got a good community that sticks together, that is generally complimentary of, of each other. And, um, you know, we all do it a little bit different. And so there's room for all of us in this market and we all have our own niche and our own audience. And you know, there's we we take our cue from from the the barbecue family's always been close. But what's nice about Nashville is that not only the barbecue community is close, the food community is close. And so there's other towns where that's not the case, where it's very competitive and people are very cutthroat. In Nashville, everybody seems to want everybody else to succeed. And that's not to say that we're not competitive. Uh, we are competitive, but. It's, we, we don't want to see somebody fail, and if we, if, if we know somebody needs help, then uh, we, would, we would help them out and we would do what we can for them. You know, if, if Pat Martin ran out of something or Will Newman ran out of something, uh, then I know that uh, we would help them out and give them whatever we could, and I know that they would do the same for me. Same with Jack and same with Shane, with Honey, any of the guys in the community would do that. Which is so unique because I don't know of any other community. I mean, really, it's almost restaurants, you said, here in town. I've noticed there's a lot of people who connect and are wanted to do this to really connect more people. But the barbecue community, to me, it seems like does it the right way. And through all the kitchens I've been in over my time and all the people, that, well, what's that guy doing with that? It's almost like you guys share all of your secrets to get together. So you have a barbecue team. I do. You have a barbecue yeah. team. And who's on your barbecue team? A lot of Nashville, <laughs> a lot of Nashville chefs. So uh, Tracy Achi and his team at the farmhouse in Black Rabbit. Um, Another great guy in Nashville. Yeah, yeah, he's dynamite. And um, Tyler Brown is on it some years. Cole Ellis is on it some years. Jason McConnell uh, is on it uh, some years. Shane Nasby, another barbecue guy, is on it. Um, we've got guys from Charleston, South Carolina. We've got guys from New York. We've got. Um, you know, just a, a, we have had a lot of different people roll in and out of the team. And um, really the only competition that we do now or anymore is uh, Memphis in May because it's just the, it's the biggest and it's kind of like the Super Bowl. And, um, you know, it's fun having other chefs 
on that team. You know, we'll have uh, Steven Striuski and Ryan Puitt come up from New Orleans that run Koshan and Pesh with the Link Restaurant Group. And they'll come and bring some of their food or they'll bring oysters. You know, Jason McConnell, his team will bring something. You know, Shane and his team will bring something. And so uh, everybody contributes and has fun and, and it's nice to have great chefs on your team so you eat well. <laughs> the, so that's gonna be one of my next questions. You, you, you're right there at answering it. Um, how does it work? How do you get to be on this team? I mean, it's, it's got to be like somebody drops out and there's got to be like a, a lottery, right? I mean, this is an all-star team of people. You're talking old school Hermitage Hotel chefs and yeah. and do each individual chefs have unique roles. So I want to get into the actual act of you're there, you're at Memphis in May. Are you kind of the general and do you get people doing the things or how does, how does, how does, the, how does the dynamic work down there? Yeah, so I'm the captain and I've been cooking in Memphis in May for 29 years. About 20, this will be my 29th year, I believe. Um, and so, yes, I'm the captain, and I make the ultimate decisions. Uh, as I get older, I'm handing those responsibilities over to more of the younger guys. Uh, they're enthusiastic. They're newer at it. Um, they study it more than I do. When I, you know, when I first started cooking in competition barbecue, and specifically Memphis and May, you know, you cooked what you'd normally cook for your family, or your friends and you pulled it and threw it in a box and you turned it in yeah there was no elaborate strategy to win it was let's just cook the best that we can and and then we'll and we'll turn it in now it's a completely different ball game um it's been bastardized to some degree uh because the judges have got just one bite and so they're you know people are doing a lot more different and unique things those younger guys are a lot more apt to study up on that <laughs> and give a lot more of a shit than I do, you know? <laughs> You're so, there to have fun and hang out with your friends. I'm, at this point, I'm there to have fun and hang out with my friends. I'm not nearly as, I want to win, but I'm not nearly as competitive about it as my younger guys are. And, and if we don't win, I've been down there so many times to know that it's a crapshoot. And so... Um, and so let's talk about awards. So you, in 2016, you won third right. place yeah. overall in Whole Hog. Yes. So that was your 20, what, 25th year 20, in it? 20, yeah, 25th or 26th year in it, yeah. So it almost goes to show everybody who's listening who's going to Memphis in May, you can go 25 years and try really hard, but when you start having fun with it, you start winning, right? Yeah, it seems like the more, the more I'm <laughs> relaxed about it, the more we start winning. So, and, and, I think, and I think that year I was interviewed by uh, somebody, and they said, what do you think your chances are this year? And I looked at the uh, person interviewing, and I said, I've been losing at this for 26 years. I don't anticipate winning this year. <laughs> about, about 10 minutes later, I got the call that we made the finals. And so um, it was a good year. And, uh, uh, and somebody else that I didn't mention, it was Billy Terrell was on the team uh, that year, and he's got his own team down there, but he's rotated in and out of the team. Uh, before and he's got the beached pig uh, uh, catering here in Nashville and so it's what everybody brings is a little bit different perspective and so everybody kind of pitches in we're competing in whole hog now we used to compete in shoulder we were doing uh, two teams that year whole hog and shoulder we did that for two years and finally last year we just made the transition to only whole hog uh, and now now my wife is competing against me with her own whole hog team called I Only Smoke When I Drink. So That's awesome. So you say that, and it's funny because I mentioned earlier that I like to drive Ubers, one of my favorite things. So I picked yeah. up a woman uh, and her friends, and the woman's name was Delania. Uh -huh. 
and I happen to know your wife's name, and I picked her, and I picked these people up at your house because there was okay. a big peg leg porker truck in the back. Yeah. yeah. And we started driving, and I said, "So, what do you what do you do?" Yeah. And we started just kind of talking, and she said, "Oh, well, you know, I've got my husband's restaurant here. We have a restaurant in town." And I said, "Yeah, which which one?" And and I was playing coy with her, and she yeah. goes, "Um, peg leg porker." Yeah. And I said, "Yeah, Carrie's amazing," and kind of showered some adulation on what, what, what I think of you and then she, I said so you have a new location coming I'm excited about that and Memphis and Maine she goes you know I have a team too she goes it's not all about him and I said well tell me about it I, I, I imagine she gets that so are you guys competitive how do you oh sure well look we've been together for 33 years this we'll have our 25th wedding anniversary this August and um so we're we are very direct with each other and yes we're competitive she's started to you know she wants to do the competition stuff and in fact i got to go today and pick up a trailer for her that just got delivered and um, uh, you know she's she's more she's more enthusiastic about it because she just started competing so you know for her it's new and she's getting into it and she's where i was you know 25 years ago with competing she's tired of seeing me get the spotlights and but she doesn't like the you know she doesn't like the camera or the spotlight uh like i do so well uh, but she does like her team and she and it's an all-girls team and uh and it's it's fun for them well i was mentioning that i i'm have some friends I get to see on Facebook during Memphis in May, and I'm yeah. like, these guys are rock stars, and literally you're hanging out with rock stars. I see you with, I, all of a sudden my feed is full of all these people hanging out with Dave Grohl, yeah. kicking it. I'm like, what? Yeah. I need to do this Memphis in May thing. I may, yeah. I'm going to take you up on that. I'm going to come down and cover it for the the restaurant radio. Yeah, it's fun. Hogs for a cause. Yeah, that's another thing that you're big into, and that's something that happens before Memphis in May. Yeah, and. It was slated for March 27th and 28th. Yep. Tell me about the event now that it's canceled by the coronavirus. Um, you said something in a similar interview, I think I watched it, where you said, we're not curing cancer here, we're just cooking barbecue. That's right. And while I believe that, yes. I beg to differ with what you're doing. <laughs> is so much more you are a real philanthropist there's nothing that you're doing like you are a genuine guy you care about everybody and hog for a cause hogs for a cause is another way where the barbecue community comes together tell me about that event is there anything that people can do is there where can people help so it's, it's hogs for a cause and it, it's a uh, it's a charity event it's a um it's a barbecue competition in new orleans uh it was started by renee luop and becker hall uh, and they, they founded this charity to help families of pediatric brain cancer victims. And so uh, they're out there cutting checks to hospitals and helping out families and houses uh, where those families can stay while their child is undergoing treatment. And they had somebody in their family touched by this, and so that's when they got the idea to start the event. The event's great. It's a lot of teams down there competing, and part of the competition is how much can the team raise to go towards the charity? So in addition oh. to competing for the trophies as best barbecue, they're competing to see who writes the biggest check to the charity. And some of these teams are writing $200,000 checks. I think last year they raised somewhere in the neighborhood of 1.2 to $1.5 million with this contest wow. of real money that's going to families and to hospitals. Um, and so, 
down at Hogs for the Cause, one of the nice things is it's not my team. I'm on somebody else's team. So ah. I don't have to be in charge, which is nice. I can go down and have a good time. And so I've been on Team Company Burger uh, for the past, I don't know how many years. Uh, this year they were not slated to compete, so I was going to uh, cook with the guys from Cochon okay. and, uh, and from the Link Restaurant Group. Uh, some of the other guys that do it are Fox Brothers down in uh, in Atlanta, and they work with Taqueria del Sol and with Home Team out of Charleston. They generally raise an ex- a, a huge amount of money uh, for the charity. And so what they do is they hold events all throughout the year that all raises money for the charity. And that's what a lot of these barbecue teams do is that throughout the year they're raising money with special events, and all that money is to go directly to this charity and to this competition. It's a real shame that it got canceled this year. Uh, I had my plane tickets already bought, and I was ready to get down there. And um, so it's uh, it's a it's, lot of money that's not going to get raised. That's right. Now I think people will continue to have their fundraisers. People will continue to stockpile the money that they were going to donate for this year uh, until next year if they don't go ahead and already donate it. So I think what you'll see next year is that their donations are going to be through the roof. Good. Well, that's huge. Um, to pivot a little bit, um, Operation Barbecue Relief. Now, I know that's something that recently we had a tornado that came through here, and it went from all West Nashville through Germantown, North Nashville, yeah. East Nashville, all the Nashville, way to Putnam County. All the way to Putnam County. I mean, this yeah. was an absolute devastation. And day one, you, this restaurant was not necessarily affected, right? We were not affected. We were very blessed that we weren't. Neither was my home residence, and, and neither were any of my employees. So. Uh, that was that was big for us. But you immediately jumped to action. We jumped to action with OBR, which we've supported Operation Barbecue Relief in the past. They do amazing work. They cut through all the red tape. They bring a fleet of vehicles and cooking uh, devices, and they just they feed people. And I'm I'm talking twenty thousand people a day. It's not wow. they're not the Red Cross. They're not FEMA. They're not you know they come in. They're barbecue guys. And they come in and they start opening up cans of food and they've got six tilt skillets and they've got an arsenal of cookers on big 18 wheelers. They've got a reefer truck and they come in and just start cooking meals and getting them out to the public. In Nashville, uh, in the week that they were here, they fed 60,000 people. Uh, And so what we did to help OBR is we were able to give them a little bit of a jump start and we cooked enough food for about 2,000 people um, the first day that they landed. Usually when they get here, or when they get to a location, it takes them 36 hours to deploy and to start putting out hot meals. We were able to give them a day or two head start on that by pre-cooking some stuff and getting out some meals the very first day that they were here. Uh, And then you had uh, uh, Billy Terrell with the Beach Pig, Jason uh, Paragon with Paragon Paradise Catering, uh, you had John David Wheeler come in with Memphis Barbecue Company, and then the whole crew from Operation Barbecue Relief was here. They even had a lady that her home was destroyed in the California wildfires. She was fed by Operation Barbecue Relief in California at her home. She was in Nashville on vacation, learned that they were deployed here, gave up two days of her vacation to stand in a tent and cook meals for people to pay it forward. And that's how powerful this organization is. They really, in the past four years, I think they've fed over three million people. Wow. 
And I want, you know, I want to talk about that because we're in a very interesting time right now. And I think that I don't want to just jump into that because I want to talk about your new venture. How do you, it sounds like there's a lot of things that you're doing that are not just cooking barbecue. And how do you want to be remembered? What do you want your legacy to be? Uh, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I, I want people to, uh, I want people to say that, that Kerry Brangle was a good guy, you know, that, uh, that's, uh, that's probably how I'd like to be remembered. I think that's a good yeah. goal. I think you're yeah. there right now. So let's move to your new restaurant. So you've got a new venture, and I think that um, one question people ask you all the time is, when are you going to open another Peg Leg Pork? Can you open one over here? And you, you've said, there's going to be one and one only Peg Leg Porker, and we're that's at it right now. That's correct. Socially distanced from that's, each that's other right. That's right now. But we are there right now. You're going to open a new place called uh, Bringle Smokin' Oasis, which I think every single person in the world right now would like to quarantine themselves <laughs> at Bringle's <laughs> Smokin' Oasis. Oasis. I don't think there's any party. We got bourbon, we've got yeah. beer, and we've got uh, smoked yeah. meat. So tell me how this concept began. How'd you find the location? Just kind of give us a good update as to where you're at. Uh, yeah, so I had uh, a friend come to me, uh, Elliot Kyle, that had this location. Uh, he asked me about it and, and said he and some other investors had the location uh, there was going to be a Goldberg's, one of the Goldberg's restaurants was going to be on that property. They had decided to move it to 12 South and ask if I was interested in leasing it. Um, I like to buy, and so I'm not big on leasing and dumping a bunch of money into something that I don't own. And so uh, I said, ah, you know, I don't really know. And I really didn't take the time to go look at it. He kept pestering me and said, we would really like for you to come over into this neighborhood. Uh, and... Um, he said, we would allow you to buy into the property. And, and I said, all right, well, I'll come, I'll take a look. And so I went and I looked, it's an old gas station. Um, I really like the feel of it. It feels a lot like Peg Lake Porker because of the cinder block, uh, you know, building. And uh, it's on a triangular piece of property right in the middle of this neighborhood over in the nations. And uh, then he finally said, look, we'll just sell you the property. And that's when I said, okay, now I'm, now I'm really interested. And so I ended up buying the property. And so we're, we're invested in the nations now and we hope to be a great neighbor to the folks in the nation's neighborhood. We worked extensively with uh, their, their neighborhood association and with their council person, uh, Mary Carolyn Roberts, on getting uh, some variances that we needed and getting an easement taken off of the property uh, that was running through it. And so, we got through some of those strategic barriers. We're finishing all the plans right now, but the plans for it are to be a, um, a Texas-style barbecue place, but also a big, almost ice house feel from, from, you know, if you see them down in Texas where they have a huge yard and, you know, the, the building is not necessarily really big, but a lot of cold beer, a lot of good smoked meats, and then a big yard to hang out in outside. And so we want people to bring their their kids and their strollers and their dogs and come and hang out all day and it'd be a neighborhood gathering spot uh, for that nation's uh, neighborhood. There's a lot of dynamite restaurants that are over there already uh, that are great, that we love to go to, and um, we're excited about being a part of that community. We're going to be surrounded by 800 new apartments and then also new commercial space, and uh, we'll have neighbors like Southern Grist and Nikki's Coal Fired and 51st Deli and corner pub uh, nations and 
51st tap room. There's just a lot of great ones over there. Uh, that area is, you know, it's funny if there's a place in town that I would think fits your vibe and who you are. Like it's exactly what you just described to me. Yeah. Sounds like an oasis. Yeah. It so, sounds like a place you could go if it's a Sunday afternoon yep. and I want to go with my wife and I have two small kids and we're yep. going to go and just have a good lunch and sit outside and enjoy a nice day. Yep. That's exactly where I want to go. So you said Texas. Now, I've also heard you in interviews when somebody says, do you do brisket? You go, we do West Tennessee barbecue here. I don't do brisket. That's right. So now you're... You're moving away from well, that here. I mean, what are, you, what are you doing over there? Well, you know, like we talked about earlier, there's one peg leg porker, and peg leg porker will remain the same. Peg leg porker will not start cooking brisket. We've always said if you want brisket, go to Texas. Now we'll say if you want briskets, go to Bringle Smoking Oasis. Go to the nations. <laughs> go to the nations. Um, you know, we wanted to do something different that gave a little more variety to our customers because it's in the middle of a neighborhood. We wanted it to have more options. There'll also be a snack bar on the property that'll have burgers and dogs for kids, you know, wings and stuff that's a little more family friendly than just the sliced meats of the Texas style barbecue. I think for that neighborhood, it's the right approach. And I think that it will be, um, we hope that it'll be welcomed and, and we wanna be a good neighbor and good addition to that neighborhood. So um, it's just, it's a different vibe and a different feel and it's a different concept. And, and so, like I said, Peg Leg Porker's not going to change. I haven't changed in the fact that what we wanted to do here was a straight uh, West Tennessee-style barbecue place that really didn't compromise, that was just a barbecue place. And Nashville's a big enough city, and we're close enough to downtown where that was possible for us because we've got enough population and we have enough variety of people coming through that wanted that. Uh, over in the nations, it will be more of a it's got the right mix of commercial and residential sure be a lot of walking traffic from neighbors so we wanted to do something that was very family neighborhood oriented um similar to a place that i cook up in new york in brooklyn called pig beach and so uh it's a very very similar type place so for all the people out there that they've heard or anything about there being a tourist trap. You just heard it from the man himself. While there are Airbnbs in that area, this is a, this is going to be a location that's for locals to go yes. out, eat, enjoy time. People will go there that don't live here. I'm sure, sure of it, sure. and that's that's part of it. But if you're going to talk about as local as it gets, um, so Carrie, I'm so excited about your new venture, and I think we have to talk about the inevitable. I think yep. the inevitable that. I think that I saw in Eater Nashville that we're effed was a was a was an actual like uh, headline today of the restaurant yeah. industry, yeah. and what we're going through is unprecedented. And I don't think anybody knows what to do. I think I've been talking about it with a bunch of people as to what they are doing, and I think there's initial stages of. We're going to clean everything. We're going to do all of that because that's our responsibility and we have this social responsibility to do all of these things. But here we are, um, St. Patrick's Day, which is a day... Uh, Bars you, should be full. You said, it's my birthday. Yeah, and everybody parties on my birthday. Everybody parties <laughs> on your birthday, but... Today they'll no, be doing it at home. They're doing it at <laughs> home today. So the everything has changed. Like The entire landscape has changed. What are your thoughts? What's, what's going through your head right now 
uh, you know, it, it's there's certainly worry and and the unknown, and and so um, there's a lot going through my head. What do I do? What what can I do for my team to make sure that they're protected? You know, how can we make sure that we survive through this and that our business continues to survive and that we keep our good people? Um, it's tough, and, and everybody in our industry is worried. If they're not, they should be. Um, we are. We feel like we're in pretty good shape and like we can weather this storm and that we'll get through it and be okay. There's a lot of people in this industry that don't feel that way, that, that feel like just what you said, we're effed, you know, this, is, this could be the nail in our coffin. Um, there's a lot of competition in Nashville. There's been a flood of new restaurants. Some people have exorbitant rents with the, with the way that real estate has gone here in town, and some people had exorbitant build-outs, so they've got a lot of debt on top of rents. And, um, you know, servicing that debt and trying to keep employees and trying to keep them paid and make sure that they don't uh, resent you after this because they had to get laid off, it's, it, those are all valid concerns from everybody in this industry. Nobody knows what's going to happen. It's not... Um, you know, this is unprecedented. I just had my mother and uh, stepfather and my father-in-law and his wife um, and mother-in-law in uh, just a few minutes ago. And, you know, they're both, you know, my, my, uh, my stepfather is uh, 80. And, you know, he, they, they haven't, this is unprecedented. They really haven't seen anything like this. Uh, maybe the closest would have been the Asian flu in 19, I think, 58. Uh, but we haven't seen this type of shutdowns, and it's just it's unprecedented since probably World War II. Uh, and, and so it's got everybody very concerned and scared. What is your plan? Do you have a plan right now? I think that the overall consensus, if you ask anybody who's been game planning, I think that this thing really Thursday afternoon when everything closed last week we all kind of went okay here we go this is coming this is real and we are all in for it let's start planning i think everybody started ramping up on to go materials yeah. and yeah. figuring out and talking to their employees identifying so this is something that where who are the people that get to work right now because with this few guests coming in you can't you can't staff the whole restaurant as if you're going to have a line out the door no, we sent, you know, we, we asked people who wanted to go today, and we sent three people home. We probably could have sent more home. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll probably make some hard decisions by the end of the day in, in what we plan to do or how we plan to respond to this. Um, John Cooper is, is doing a, a good job, I think, but he first came out with a statement that said that they suggested that bars close, and... Of course, there was a lot of blowback on that, as there should have been. You can't suggest something. You either need to take a definitive action or you don't. You know, and, and so that would be like me saying to my employees, I suggest you come in, but I don't, you know. And so it, it's, um, and, and the, the, the thing is that nobody knows what to do. You know, it'll be interesting to see what happens. We're seeing whole states shut down the restaurant and bar industry, like Illinois, like Kentucky. Uh, and so that's unprecedented. And some of them are saying they're going to shut for two weeks. And some of them have said they're shutting for two months. And so a two-week shutdown, that's livable for most people. And I almost feel like 
if you did a two-week shutdown, um, you know, right now, maybe nationwide, then you've got a little more grip on it. Uh, but all the states doing different things and, and, and nobody really uh, doing it together uh, makes it a little more difficult. Um, I do think that our national administration is doing a good job. I probably have a lot of people in this industry that will disagree with me, but that's my opinion. I think that they have taken unprecedented steps in a situation that is unprecedented, uh, and they're doing the right thing, and I think they're taking the appropriate measures, and I don't think that they waited too long to do it. Um, when we look at things like the H1N1, there was nowhere near this type of response to it and nowhere near as quick of action on a national level. And so um, that whether you like this administration or not, the actions that I see them taking are the appropriate ones, and I think they did it at an appropriate time frame. Sure. I think a lot of people want to find somebody to blame. Oh, they absolutely. want to find somebody to be angry at because there's a lot of fear there's a lot of worry there's a lot of people right now that don't know how they're going to pay rent sure. and they don't know what they're going to do and i think it's human nature to go whose fault is this oh sure and yeah. when when something doesn't happen that goes their way they want to say this person did this to me yeah. what would you say to people that have that mentality what do you have any ideas as to what is your what does your brain do I, I don't like that mentality. I, I'm, a, I'm a personal responsibility guy. And so my mentality is, hey, it's my job to be prepared. It's my job as an owner to be prepared to take care of my staff if I need to. And I need to do everything in my power to make sure that, that I've got a backup plan for them uh, and for what we're doing before something like this happens. Yeah. And so we've tried to keep enough cash reserves. We've tried to make sure that we have measures in place to handle things like this and you know not every owner has that luxury uh, but i think they have that responsibility to try and, and do what's best for the for the people that work for them we've got 50 people that rely on us for a living you know other places have 200 400 500 um, i feel a personal responsibility to those people um, to make sure that their families are fed and that they're taken care of. And we try and take care of them on a daily basis, uh, let alone in something like a crisis like this. And so I sat down a lot of my employees yesterday and said, look, our number one priority is to take care of you and your families and make sure that you're not worried or scared about paying rent. We can't promise you that, that we can take care of it, but we will do everything that we can do to try and make sure that that happens. And, and I think most of the people in the Nashville restaurant community want to do the same thing. Uh, but not everybody's in a position to do that. And, and that's what's tough because so many restaurants operate on such thin margins uh, that they're just getting by month to month. This will be the nail in the coffin for a lot of restaurants. Uh, mark my words, there will be a massive shutdown and shutter in this industry. They did announce, a, I think, a trillion dollar aid package today. And so I think at a national level, they're taking appropriate measures to try and protect the workers of the service industry. Uh, but who knows what that means or what that looks like? We just, we, nobody knows. So 
I mentioned this last night in another interview with Matt Simons. We were talking about people that own restaurants response and something I know that you're very familiar with because you are a Nashville restaurant owner yeah. is finding good help. Yes. And if you ask anybody, I've been in the business around here for a long time, and if, any, if, you ask, if I ask any operator over the last five years, if I said, what's your number one challenge, the number one answer is finding good help. People, yeah, people. right? Getting the right people and being in an operations position the past few years for myself, you have so many people that don't do things the right way. And I think there's a laissez-faire, well, you know, I'll just go get another restaurant job, that's fine. And I think this, I, don't, I do not want to come across as being preachy by any means, but I think you'll understand what I'm saying. This is one of those times, if you work in a restaurant and you're listening to this podcast right now, this is where people, when I asked you earlier, how do you want to be remembered? This is where people are going to remember you. Yes. And when the restaurant community comes back, if you're a restaurant owner, your stories of generosity and what you've done for your staff are going to permeate throughout the system. If you treat your people right now terribly and you go tough, whatever it might be, if you, if you text people, tell them they're not working there anymore, if you're not having personal conversations and you don't care, yeah. when you do reopen, the good people are going to gravitate towards the people who did it the right way. Yeah. This is going to be an ultimate test, in my opinion, because once this comes back and the, the herd is thin, so to speak, because there's going to be a lot of restaurants that aren't going to make it through this, pending what kind of stimulus package the, the government comes up with. Right. But if the restaurant community takes the hit, which I kind of think it's going to take, there's going to be a lot of workers and the people who've constantly taken personal accountability, okay. who aren't blame much people right now, who are doing whatever they can to help in any way that they possibly can, those are the people that when the jobs come back, are going to be the first ones to get the jobs and they're going to work for the people that did all this stuff in the right way yeah i think so i, I think you're right and and you know look we just saw it i mean you know the nashville restaurant community just got hit with a one-two punch oh gosh uh, with the tornado and then now with this and so um and we saw the restaurant community step up during the aftermath of the tornado Big so time. many restaurants did so Big much time. um and it just it was very apparent that the, the, the restaurants in this town care about the community and they care about their people uh, who might have been victims and they got out and fed people. You know, almost everybody I know that owns a restaurant did something uh, and continues to do stuff. And and so this is a really this is a really big gut punch for a lot of people. Um, and I think you're right. I think that the people who do the right thing uh, are the ones that you'll see make it and shine and. Um, you know, which is the majority. Which I think is the majority of restaurants in Nashville. Yes. Uh, we've got a really good, really good close community. We do. Um, I know you've got, it's your birthday, you've got lots of things you have to do today. I can't keep you here all day long. Is there anything right now as far as tornado relief? Because the one thing I recognize is that everything in Nashville was about Nashville Strong tornado relief sure. a week and a half ago. And Everything right now is about the coronavirus. Are you aware of any way right now, if you're a restaurant worker and you got time off and you want to donate some of your time, right. what relief efforts are ongoing? Are you aware of anything where people can get out and donate right now? What can we sure. still do? Because we still, there are still a lot of people out there who are hurting. Oh, sure. Yeah, there is the, there is the Community Foundation of Middle Tennessee. There's Hands On Nashville, which is a organi uh, volunteer organization. There's the Nashville Food Project. Um, so there's, there's plenty of ways that you can help. 
And although their coffers got filled last week with food and donations, uh, and they were kind of overflowing, that will thin out, and there's a lot of ongoing stuff. We like to promote Room in the Inn here in yes. Nashville, uh, who does a great job of not just housing homeless uh, men, but also giving them some skill sets and teaching them and giving them classes, and they just do so much. Uh, the Mission is always a good place as well. So there's, there's a lot of ways that you can help on a daily basis. And, and we like to encourage people to, look, don't just, don't just donate or give your time during, the, during a disaster. Try and do it year round because these, these people at holidays, they get filled up and then they get forgotten in March, you know. And so I would say that, that those are good organizations to work with year round that are always doing good things and, uh, and show, really show off the fact that we are the volunteer state and that Nashville really does care. And you know, I was thinking about something today, and that's, that's all really good stuff. And uh, I was thinking if you're home, we can't go into big gatherings. We can't do all of these things because of this virus. But you know what you can do? You can go get those little, I don't know what they're called, like the little things that you see people picking up trash with. Go oh, yeah. walk down your street and grab a trash bag and get one of those and pick up trash. Like, I would love to see the service community out beautifying Sure. Or see, I, I drive people around a lot and people go, you know what I just love about your city is it's so clean, it's so pretty. And I yeah. go, well, you know, people that live in Nashville take pride in Nashville. I do. Yeah. yeah. I kind of, I say I drive because I like to be an ambassador for who we are and tell people the real story of what we're doing. Sure. Well, um, it's great. It's a, I think it's a dynamite idea. So get out there and you guys, there's a lot of people that need, if you don't, if, you're, if you don't have a job, you're a bartender, you don't know what you're going to do. You know what? Networking. In, an, in, an, in a, at a social distance, getting out there and helping in your community is a really great way to spend some time when you have some time alone. Yep. And you're supposed to be away. If you can't work, get out there and help. Absolutely. But donate your time. So, Carrie Bringle, thank you. Thank you, Brian. So much for yeah. uh, spending this time with me and uh, on your birthday. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, I might have to go drink some green beer now. Yeah, well, that's. <laughs> I think. I think. You're not alone. Yeah. Everybody's just doing it in their own living room. I remember the food coloring is completely gone. Yeah. Are you guys doing anything special today for St. Patrick's Day? We're not. We're just trying to. Uh, we're just trying to get through this week or get through, <laughs> you know, uh, what whatever the next couple of weeks is going to bring. All right. Well, thank you so much again for taking your time, and um, we'll talk to you guys later. Thank you. So there it is, my interview with Carrie Bringle from March the 17th, 2020. And I did get a little preachy there at the end. And personal accountability to me is something that I practice. And if you know me, you've worked with me, you know that uh, I practice the QBQ. And it's everything, man. You wake up every day right now and you can worry and you can wonder what's going to happen. But if you insert yourself into these things and say, what can I do today to make a difference? It's amazing how just changing your mindset can help you uh, get through these tough times. So we're all in this thing together. Um, you guys are amazing. Thanks for listening. And uh, I'll keep trying to put these out there if you guys will keep listening. So love you guys. Bye.